This is how the roomy new Cutlass Supreme SL looks after traveling 300 highway miles on just 10 gallons of gas. And this is how Honda Accord looks after the same challenge. Well, if it hadn't run out of gas 20 miles back, you'd see that it's smaller and it's blue. Next trip, Dad, it's yours. Who says you can't get great gas mileage in a roomy, comfortable car? Cutlass Supreme is one car that does it all and does it right. This is the new generation of old. All right, listeners, hey, welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We are live in downtown Clearwater. Go to your computers and type in Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live in the studio. Matter of fact, I'm waving right now, so for all you guys out there. And if you need to email us, email us at golfstreamradio at gmail.com. That's golfstreamradio at gmail.com. Hey, we got a great show for you tonight. I'll give you guys some uh, updates on uh, the last uh, couple of weekends and some of the events that took place, and of course the ones coming up. We got a super guest tonight, a really cool guy. Okay, very well known, very famous. Of course, a race car driver. You know, dear to my heart, racing. You know how that guy that goes. Anyway, uh, hey Bill, how you doing tonight? Um... Is that you? Bill, oh, you're making a sound effect out of race cars. That maybe, maybe they should have like a a, a race down here in Clearwater. Well, we should. I think we should. I think well, we should. We're over, the... we're over by the ghetto, really. No, 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 no. We got to talk. We got to speak very favorable of our little nice little community this here. This is a nice part of town over here. It is true. We're close to downtown, but you're right. We should have a downtown Clearwater Grand Prix. I, 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 I would be in favor of that, and I think a lot of people would be in favor. Not to mention, it would bring a ton of business and a ton of uh, recognition to our little town. So, matter of fact, we could probably keep it on a small, local level, a vintage race of some kind, and that wouldn't take up a lot of room, and I think we might be able to get some uh, people to jump on board on that. Anyway, hey, what do we got fired up on that uh, tape deck? Get that first song fired up for us? Oh, your tape deck? Let me see here. Your yes. tape deck is ready to roll, and that, and, that, and that's a Nitro, right? Yeah, go play that. That's a that's an oldie, but a, cla- but a goodie.
You can kind of wind it down and go to commercial. No, I'm not live. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, and nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. It's all you. Oh, it's all me. You mean we're back? Oh, my gosh. Hey, I wasn't paying attention. Okay, hey, it's live radio. Anything's possible. So, here we are. We're back. Let me give you guys a quick rundown of what's going on this week, okay? This week, of course, is March 25th, or the weekend, actually. March 25th through the 27th is the Honda Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. And that is going to be spectacular. It starts, I think, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We've got some really cool racing going on. We've got... Indy cars, of course. We've got Indy car lights. We've got touring cars racing. And we've got sedan sports cars racing. So that ought to be fun. There's a little something there for everybody. Plus, there's entertainment. Plus, it's right downtown in St. Petersburg in your own backyard. If you need any more information, go to the website Honda Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Okay? Got some really cool people down there. If you really want to meet some neat people, and there's a lot of race car drivers, a lot of interaction down there. So it's a lot of fun. I went the uh, last couple of years, and I've always had a good time. Okay. This weekend is also at Daytona, the swap meet, okay? So for all you guys that are parts junkies like me, make sure you trek on over to Daytona this weekend for the big swap meet. Bill, you paying attention to this? I know you're a big car guy, aren't you? Why are you swapping? Swapping. We're swapping car parts. Now, come on. This is a family show, okay? Swapping car parts. That's car what parts. I that's, that's, what I, that's what I thought you were going to say. Anyway, and hey, next weekend, we got a couple things going on, but the biggest event next weekend, and this is a really cool event. For, uh, most of you guys know that I uh, mentioned uh, we, uh, we had uh, Bill Warner on a couple weeks ago, and uh, the big event in Florida uh, two weeks ago was the Amelia Island Concourse event, okay, which is a spectacular show and it just features some of the coolest cars coolest vintage cars and unusual cars and prototype cars and all kinds of neat stuff uh, automotive and motorcycle related that you probably would only see maybe at a rival show comp- similar to uh, pebble beach out in california 
And not to mention they had the auctions. Well, there's another organization called Festival of Speed, and they put on four events during the year. They've got one in Palm Beach, one in Miami, Orlando, and St. Pete. Well, next weekend is the St. Pete show. And uh, it's basically a luxury lifestyles display. I mean, I don't know other, any other way to describe it other than if maybe some of you guys remember the TV show. What was it with Robin Leach? Robin Leach. It was called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Well, this is Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous coming to you live right here in our own backyard again at the Vinoy and North Stroud Park uh, in, Saint, in downtown St. Pete. Okay, You're going to have some of the finest exotic cars in the world. You're going to have some of the finest classic cars. Okay, It's a huge car show. That takes place on Sunday. On Saturday, they've got a huge boat show, so you can walk the whole marina, check out all the stuff that's going on there. So they're going to have yachts there. They're going to have racing boats. As a matter of fact, a local guy, one of our local car collectors, Todd Warner, from uh, he actually owns and created Statement Boats, a very unique offshore boat. Uh, those boats will be on display. There's a poker run on Saturday, so for all you boat enthusiasts, if you have a big offshore boat and you want to participate, feel free to do so. Contact all the people down there. I think you might still be able to get in. And then Friday night will be kind of like a who's who party. At the Jetport, they're having, again, cars, motorcycles, and jets on display there. So that should be a really, really, really fun event. Okay, So that's next weekend in downtown St. Petersburg at the Vinoy, Straub Park area, and the uh, Marina District Okay, down there. So that's right off uh, Beach Drive. Make sure you check that out. Okay, let's see. Bill, you paying attention? All right, good man. Let's see. What else we got uh, going on? Oh, yeah. Hey, I want to say a little uh, shout-out to a couple friends of mine. Okay, and that would be the guys at Cop Cars Online. Matter of fact, I was just over there the other day, and they got two brand-new – well, I shouldn't say brand-new – brand-used uh, 08 uh, Tahoes in. So if you really want a cool squad car – or they got, uh, I think they got a Chrysler in there. They got another sh- uh, couple of Crown Vicks they just picked up. So if you want a car that's just, you know, one thing about cop cars are, you know, they're extremely well maintained. They've got heavy duty suspension. They've got heavy duty engine components. And uh, so if you're really hard on the car and you want something really cool, it's durable, you know, can't beat a squad car. That's kind of cool. If you've got a security company, if you need something to do, just uh, do some uh, just cool driving around. You know, is this kind of, and you want something a little bit different. And one thing about these cop cars, they have a pretty decent uh, resale value. So uh, check out Cop Cars Online. Go see my friends down there, John and Mark, 727-536-2677. That's 727-536-2677. And go to their website. Also, hey, there's another new uh, visitor in town here. And I don't know if you guys have seen this guy running around in downtown uh, Clearwater and maybe on Clearwater Beach. It's called Rocket Ship Car Dot com. It's actually a rocket ship car is what it looks like, okay? You've probably seen it at some of the car shows, and uh, that's a friend of mine. And you can get a hold of him at 727-216-3770. That's 727-216-3770. Let me tell you what this thing is. It seats 10, but what this was, this is a vintage amusement park ride that's built totally out of stainless. He modified it, put it on a GM chassis, drives it around on the street, and gives people... A tour around the local communities, okay? Now, he's based out of Ohio, and this came from an actual amusement park in Ohio. It's kind of cool. You know, it lights up at night. It's got uh, LED lights running up and down the side of the, I guess you would call it a fuselage, because it looks like a little rocket. You know, it's something that came out of the 30s. It's really, really neat. And uh, so uh, check out rocketshipcar.com and make your or schedule your ride around the uh, community. It gives half-hour rides, 15-minute rides, and one-hour rides. Actually, if you uh, you can book the whole thing for you a don't whole know what You don't know what amusement park it came from? You know what? I'm not sure if it was a small town just outside of, I think, Columbus. But if you go to the website, and shame on me for not doing my research. I actually did my research, but I forgot. I actually had a card here 
but I forgot that too because I was in, in such a haste today. But anyway, check out rock, rocketship.com and uh, go check out the car. Matter of fact, like I said, you see him running around. He's been over to uh, Quaker Steak and Lube for some of the car shows, which is tomorrow night, by the way. So Quaker Steak and Lube's got a big car show tomorrow night. Every Thursday they do that. Tonight is Wednesday night. It's Test and Tune at Sunshine Drag Strip. Okay, so make sure you take your, uh, in your case, what do you have, a Dodge van? You want to take out there and burn the front tires off that thing? And also, it's open mic night at Naughty Nancy's. So be sure and get a hold of the ladies over at Naughty Nancy's. And I say that with uh, with great regard for them because the, they're the, super cooked. The Batmobile was out here. Was the Batmobile out here? Yep. Uh, Dr. Dan Dembski bring the Batmobile out? Or did he bring a Bat Cycle? He did the Bat Cycle. Nope. From shooting it straight, they had uh, this guy come over with the Batmobile. Really? Just exa- exactly like it. No kidding. Well, at any rate, so uh, it's Naughty Nancy's. Give her a call. That's 727 446 3717. Four four six thirty seven seven. Hey, is uh, Fonzie ever going to be on any of these car car, car shows? You know what? Um, I know some people that know him. He is a he's not really a car enthusiast. He shows up at a lot of the vintage event, the nostalgia events, and stuff like that. But he's not really in the cars. You would be amazed at a lot of the celebrities that portrayed characters that were supposedly really in the cars and stuff, but they really weren't. Um, who was the guy that was the actor that sang a uh, Boone? What was his name? Pat Boone. Pat Boone. Was he the young guy? Yeah. He did real popular back in the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a huge car collector, believe it or not. Um, the What about Jay Leno? Does he show up at the, any of these things? Jay Leno makes very, very special, special appearances. He doesn't show up for a lot of events. Oh, he only goes to the creme de la creme. Like, he might show up at Amelia Island. He'll definitely be at Pebble Beach. And he may attend, you know, maybe a Festival of Speed event sometime. Dave, David Letterman will be here, right, for that St. Pete Grand Prix? Uh, David Letterman probably will be because he's partners with uh, Bobby Rahal. And, and his sister lives in St. Petersburg. Or and something. His sister lives As a matter of fact, let me uh, sum up what happened here at Sebring over the weekend. We took a nice little trip down there. Of course, the in the ALMS, American Le Mans Series, okay, that's a racing. Anyway, in the LM prototype class, the Peugeot won. Audi came in, and they were down at the bottom. And in the GT class, BMW, which is also uh, run by Ray Hall Letterman, beat out the Ford GTs and the Corvettes and the Ferraris. So Ferrari had a little bit of a problem, but they did pretty good there. So they had a new Ferrari 458 over there, and it was racing. And it was a hell of an event. We stayed there until the very end. And uh, it was really cool. There were some really neat people there. And, again, they had some great. it's a great event if you like uh, road racing. Uh, that was last weekend. That was a 12-hour event at Sebring. And, of course, this weekend is, if you like open-wheel cars, indie cars, don't forget the St. Pete Grand Prix. Okay, hey, fire up that. You know what? These songs are so old, they didn't have tape decks back then. These are just stuff that came out of your basic AM radio. Right? On with the show. This is it. We'll have to record that. You've heard of jalopies, you've heard the noise they make But let me introduce my new Rocket 88 Yes, it's straight, just one way Everybody likes my Rocket 88 Baby, we'll ride in style, moving all along Design black convertible top and the gals don't mind. Sporting with me, riding all around town for joy. Blow your horn, Raymond, blow! 
in my rocket and don't be late, baby. We were pulling out about half past eight. Going round the corner and get a bill. Everybody in my car's gonna take a little nip. Move on out, oozing and cruising along. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business, and often I need cars towed. Well, Kotaka's Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Kotaka's Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full-service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call at Kotaka's Towing at 727-447-1952. And be sure to mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a discount. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about Naughty Nancy. No, this isn't a story about a bad girl. This is a truth about a great place to eat and hang out. Naughty Nancy's Food Shack, located at 700 Eldridge Street in the downtown Clearwater area, is a quaint little place nestled under some huge oak trees serving great food and drink and a wonderful, friendly atmosphere. That's Naughty Nancy's, 727-446-3717. They have 10 daily specials as well as many different styles of cooking from Cajun, New England, Country, Gourmet, and even Short Order, prepared just the way you want it. So check out this groovy little dew drop in right on the trail. So jog up to her front door, ride up on your bicycle, drive up in your car, or pull up on your motorcycle, and visit my friend Nancy and place your order. That's Naughty Nancy's, 727-446-3717. Hey, mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars and you might get a free drink. Here comes Johnny Rutherford. Three-time Indy 500 winner. To protect that engine at blazing speed, he runs with Pennzoil. Johnny's wife, Betty. She uses Pennzoil, too. But she uses Pennzoil's regular-priced, gas-saving, multi-weight oil. Pennzoil. For cars like Johnny's and Betty's and yours. Gas-saving Pennzoil. Quality in every extra mile. Okay, we're back. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, okay, on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. If you need to get a hold of us real quick, email us at golfstringradio at gmail.com or turn on your computers to tantalk1340.com. All right, hey, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce our guest. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest for this evening, okay? This gentleman started out racing modified and stock cars. Or modified stock cars and sprint cars. He raced in NASCAR. He's won numerous championships in various classes. He is also a three-time Indian champion. And without keeping him any longer, on the phone, let's introduce our guest for this evening. It is Johnny Rutherford. Johnny, are you there? Yes, I am. And how much are you paying me for that Pennzoil commercial? <laughs> uh-huh. I thought you'd appreciate that. I had to kind of go in the uh, archives and find that one for you. I yeah, did another one for you. I did, the o- I did the Ozerville commercial, too. Remember you did that one, 1980-81? Uh, 1991. 90-91? Okay, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. So I'm off by 10 years. So uh, how are you doing this evening? Well, okay. Are you all excited? You're going to be here in St. Pete tomorrow, right? Uh, yes, I am coming in for the uh, 
uh, IndyCar races there this this weekend. We've got a full slate of, of all four of our ladder races up to the uh, big cars that run on Sunday. So I'm looking forward to it. I get to drive the pace car, so that allows me to lead a race every now and then. Well, how about that? Now, are you going to be just driving the pace car for the uh, Sunday race, for the Indy race, or are you going to be driving the pace car for some of the other races as well? I probably will doing it. But we'll be doing it for all four of our series that are going to be involved there, the F2000s and the, uh, uh, what is it, the Mazdas and the uh, Indy Lights and then the, the uh, Touring cars? Indy cars. Oh, yeah. okay. Super. Super. So, uh, hey, let's go back in time a little bit. You started uh, racing back in about 1959, right? Yep, that's right. And you got involved with uh, modified stock cars, or modified stock cars, and I guess then you went to uh, uh, sprint cars, right? Well, I, yes, first year and a half that I raced, I raced at, at Dallas, Texas, at the old Devil's Bowl Speedway, and uh, the cars were were considered uh, hot rods. They were uh, open-wheel coupe bodies and uh, V8 Chevrolet and Dodge engines in them, Red Ram Dodges, and and, uh, had some pretty good racing. So I I built my own car. I found a a 32 Chevrolet coupe and uh, built my first race car and had a V8 Chevrolet in it and uh, started out my career in April... uh, in April of 1959. Uh, when you were in high school, let's go back another couple of years. When you were in high school, you uh, were you kind of a hot rodder too? Did you kind of do a little of that stuff, a little street action? Well, I did. I was in a in a hot rod club. Uh, we had uh, all of us had street rods, forty anywhere from forty forty to forty seven coupes, and uh, I had a thirty two Ford uh, five window coupe with a the V eight Chevrolet engine in it, and uh, uh, that was, oh gosh, I guess 1955, 56, 57, and then I built my race car the winter of 58 and started racing in 59, so that was about the time period. Super. And then your very first car was what? It was a 1931 Model A Ford, right? Yeah, Model A Ford Coupe. Uh, it uh, had a <laughs> the top on the on the corner of the window post uh, was was rusted through or cracked through and you could jazz the throttle up with that old four singer four banger in it and uh, it would vibrate uh, and hum a tune <laughs> <laughs> it would whistle huh oh yeah now you said that you got started because your dad took you to a couple races and your dad's hobby was airplanes but he or no he was into airplanes and then he his hobby was cars Right. Yes, my my dad's life was aviation, and his uh, uh, his uh, uh, hobby was racing race cars. And uh, we always had a, a race car or a boat or an airplane uh, somewhere close by. So uh, he was quite an adventuresome sort, and it it rubbed off on me. And uh, he took me to see my first race, which was a midget car race at Tulsa, Oklahoma, in nineteen about nineteen forty seven and uh, watched the midget cars run, and, and it sunk its teeth into me, and I wanted to be a race driver. Wow. Period. <laughs> it seems like, uh, you know, most of the guys that are really committed to the sport um, are have, you know, uh, really were influenced by their dad. I mean, we had Bobby Rahal on here a couple months back, and the same thing. His father was into racing, and then Bobby got into racing. And uh, the exception to the rule of some of the guys, I think like we had Hurley Haywood on, and Hurley 
His, he's from Illinois, and his parents uh, were not in the cars, but he got hooked on it. And so, but for the most part, you know, I think it's uh, it's something that's kind of passed on down through through like generations. All right, back to the the modifieds and stuff like that. So you raced that in fifty nine, sixty, sixty one, and you were telling me uh, earlier too that you raced like from one end of the country to the other end of the country, uh, you know, east, west, north, well, south. Yeah, not with uh, not so much with the. Uh uh with the modified stock cars i raced that in in dallas for okay. the 59 season and then half of the 60 season and jim mackelreath and i left this part of the country and went up into the midwest to seek our fortune and and uh in the try to make it to the big time and we started racing on the fair circuit uh, we raced some super modifieds up in the midwest and then uh raced at uh, uh sprint cars at you could probably name a uh, a state fair or a county fair or a free fair in the Midwest that has a half mile dirt track and they run race cars on it, and I've probably been there because we we did a lot of racing and it was a great learning curve period for me with uh, the sprint cars, uh, race sprint cars. Uh, who I drove sprint cars for about twelve or thirteen years, I guess, and and. Uh, made it <laughs> you know the sprint car racing was uh, probably the most dangerous uh, on the planet and uh lost a lot of friends but uh you know was able to make it and was national sprint car champion in 1965 so wow uh, i've had i've had some some good times and bad times now you did uh you did some racing over here locally you raced at uh, our some of the local tracks here in tampa too didn't you back in the day no, I did back in uh, in '61 uh, and '62. We raced at the Florida State Fair at uh, at the Tampa at the fairgrounds there on the. Uh, well, it was a sandy track. It was it wasn't clay or anything. It just, uh, but it was uh, it put on some good races there. Had some good racing. Now, because uh, go ahead. I was going to say, now if you said you said its surface was kind of sandy, so typically clay ha- or the uh, dirt tracks have a little bit more adhesion, but if the track was kind of sandy, does, did it make it a little bit more of a challenge for you to drive? Oh, if it if it dried out a little bit, it was like running on pavement with sand on it. Oh, wow. You know, it was, it was uh, very, uh, you know, you had to be very precise and, and uh, not... Not overdo it because you could you could get in the throttle just a little bit too early or too hard and around you went. Mm. Now from there you progressed into uh, to uh, so I think you did a little uh, deal with uh, a little well known guy by the name of Smokey Eunuch. You got involved with NASCAR, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Smokey uh, contacted me and and uh, I guess it was the winter of '62 and uh, offered me a ride in his. In his new Chevrolet stock car at, at Daytona, and uh, for the '63 Daytona 500, and uh, as I said, I've never had never driven a, a late model stock car before, and I had had never driven on anything bigger than a mile, and that was dirt. So uh, I was going to a two and a half mile high bank super speedway in a late model stock car, having experienced neither. So it was a it was a a great challenge for me and a lot of fun. How'd that story all come about that you got hooked up with Smokey Eunuch? Well, I'm not sure. Other than I, several years later, Smokey and I had become good friends, and and we did a, a program together. And I I asked him. I said, Smokey, uh, how, why did you pick me to drive that car when I had no experience? And he said, Well, I had been to 
to some of your sprint car races, uh, a couple of them, and he said, I liked what I saw. And he said, uh, uh, I thought I needed somebody that I wanted to, to promote and uh, and push that, that had no, you know, uh, name in, in NASCAR, and uh, it worked. <laughs> and at the time, you said that uh, Fireball Roberts and Joe uh, Weatherly were uh, drivers for Smokey, right? Well, no, they were oh. uh, they were uh, tutors. Uh, oh, tutors, okay. Uh, my, my tutors. Uh, Smokey, we got to the track, and Smokey said, hey, you're going to need somebody to to tell you how to how to get around here, answer questions for you, and he he said uh, wait here, and he went away for about ten minutes. Came back with two guys with him, and he said, uh, "Here, I want you to meet Fireball Roberts and Joe Weatherly, and they were my tutors." Wow! And uh, Fire Fireball was very helpful. He uh, he uh, told me some things, and of course, little Joe was helpful too. He just he little Joe told me that uh, uh, if the car was right. I could hold it flat-footed all the way around, and, and that would be fast. And and it was. I, I uh, went out and and uh, fell to the car, and, and it was you know it was a, a great experience and and uh, something new and different to drive a stock car on a uh, that fast on a high bank super speedway. So anyway, uh, they were great help to me, and and uh, uh, had made good friends with them. Of course, uh, it was. Unfortunately, that they both uh, met their their end, and uh, little Joe crashed at Riverside, California, and was killed. And and Fireball had a, a fiery crash at Charlotte in '64 uh, that next year, and and uh, died from the injuries. When you uh, when the, so you raced for Smokey for that one year, and then you went to uh, Bud Moore, right? Actually, only that one time. Oh, that uh, one time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I just raced uh, the car one time at Daytona, finished ninth. Uh, we, well, we, we set a new track record with the car. I, I it was the fastest qualifier that year at Daytona and uh, set a new track record, a new world record for stock cars on a closed course, and won a 100-mile qualifying race. And uh, I'm very proud of that because that makes me one of six drivers in the history of NASCAR to have won the first race they ever ran in NASCAR, and so uh, I, I like to say I'm, I'm quite proud of that, and uh, uh, enjoyed my times running in NASCAR. I raced in for several years. I've been in 37 or so races, 47. I'm not sure, but uh, anyway, I, I had you know several Daytona 500s, several Firecracker, as we used to call them, 400s in Fourth uh, of July, and. Uh, I've raced uh, uh, the stock cars uh, a lot. Uh, I had, in '81, I had, I drove the first Levi Garrett sponsored uh, stock car and uh, ran in like 12 races that year. So I've been on nearly all of the major tracks in NASCAR, and uh, it was it was exciting. It really was. I enjoyed NASCAR very much, and still have a lot of friends down there. Wow. So now you did that on and off. Well, who were some of the team owners that you uh, drove for? Besides uh, 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 Smokey Eunuch and then, of course, Bud Moore, you drove the Mercury in what, 1964? Yeah, I drove drove Bud Moore's Mercury in 64. Uh, Billy Wade and I were teammates in 64. And then uh, trying to think, 60, I think it was 65 or maybe 66 that I drove for Die Guard. Uh, Donnie Allison and I were teammates for Die Guard, and it was a 
really good Chevrolet uh, car, you know, the, the, and it was well well built, well done. And uh, I can't remember what what problems we might have had, but uh, Donnie was running very strong, and and uh, he had problems as well. But anyway, it was uh, that was one of the top teams at that time. And uh, oh, who else did I drive for? Uh, oh, uh, Johnny Ray from Talladega had uh, Chevrolet and uh, raced for him. Uh, so I've I've had, like I said, several rides, and then. A, of course, I mentioned the uh, the, uh, uh, the car that was uh, Buddy Parrott was my crew chief, and Buddy is one of the top guys to ever come out of uh, down there for NASCAR stock car crew chiefs. And and uh, Buddy and I raced a, a Pontiac uh, that was the Levi Garrett sponsored car, the first uh, first car from Levi Garrett. So it was. It was. Uh, I had a lot of good opportunities and enjoyed my racing in, in NASCAR. But my uh, my heart was still with open wheel racing in Indianapolis. So, how did it come that you got to Indy? Tell us that story. Well, that was a, that was a byproduct of uh, of what I had done in NASCAR. You know, I I came out of sprint cars, uh, known for that. You know, being a, a charger and, and winning races in, in sprint cars on the fair circuit, but then I went to the stock cars, and boy, that that really boosted my stock. And of course, then a car owner uh, from Indianapolis, after I had uh, had the headlines uh, in you know for my exploits in NASCAR, uh, he uh, gave me a call and said, "Would you would you like?" Would you come to the speedway and let me give you a driver's test? And uh, so I jumped on that because that's where I wanted to be. So then, uh, what was it? Which that was what? Nineteen sixty-five, or was it also in nineteen sixty-three? Sixty-three. Actually, it was February okay. of sixty-three. I drove Smoky stock car, and of course, uh, everything happened at, at uh, the month of May uh, for the Indianapolis car. So mm-hmm. I, I just immediately. Uh, transitioned uh, out of stock car racing virtually uh, it was the most you know I'd done into the, into the Indy cars and that was uh, you know of course I raced USAC sprint cars and and uh, had the opportunity and knew all the people there so it was it wasn't that tough a deal but it was just the fact of going to Indianapolis and running that fast I'd never done that before other uh, well it was a lot faster than the stock car. So, how many races did you race in um, with the IndyCar in uh, nineteen sixty-three? Then, just the one race mm, in sixty-three. No, I ran the I ran the full season. I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, I drove. Uh, had probably twelve or fourteen races back then, maybe maybe sixteen, and uh, I think I drove drove the whole season. Okay. But it was. It was, you know, it was uh, getting started, and and everybody's kind of looking at you and wondering how what how you're going to do and what you're going to be, and and uh, so anyway, I I uh, I enjoyed my racing. I have a passion for it, and so that was uh, just a matter of getting a ride and getting on the track and showing what I could do. Now, your first win was in 1974, correct? In Indy, Indianapolis, yes. Right. Uh huh. Now. When you uh, when tell us some of the stories about some of the drivers that you competed with. I know I mentioned this to you, or we were talking about this a little bit off air earlier. And you know some of the drivers that you had some of the the toughest 
challenges with, you know, like uh, A.J. Foyd or the Unsers or whoever else was racing at the time? What, well, there was a certain yeah, amount of respect they, that you drivers they, had, right? Uh, yeah, we we had, you know, a uh, uh, pretty good group of guys that uh, we knew we could race with. And, of course, you, you mentioned Foyt and the Unsers. And uh, Al didn't, hadn't come along. I had did. I had done a lot of uh, uh, sprint car racing and, and midgets and, and indie car racing before Al came along. I was there in in '62, mm-hmm. uh, the end of '62, to start, you know, to get my license, and then '63 uh, driving at Indy and on the circuit, and then all of the sprint car series. And Al didn't come along until '65. Okay, but Bobby would. Bobby and I were both rookies at the Speedway together. And uh, it was unfortunate that we had Jimmy Clark there as a rookie as well, and he he won the Rookie of the Year, I think. But uh, oh, anyway, I forgot about we, that. That's right, had, Jimmy Clark. We we had a lot of uh, uh, a lot of fun racing together, and of course Parnelli Jones and Jim Herdebees and and uh, some of the old guys that were still racing, Troy Rutman and Roger Ward and Jim Rathman. Uh, you know, I got to race with them uh, at the end of their career, and uh, it was it was a, a great period to come up the ladder and and to be able to know the history of the Indianapolis Speedway and IndyCar racing, and of, of sprint car racing as it was, and and uh, everything. So it it was. Uh, it was a, a great period, and I, I wouldn't take a thing in the world for it. Tell us, uh, you got any good uh, good stories you could tell us, uh, you know, let's say like some of your most exciting, you know, like I said, some of the most challenging ones, and or maybe the most frustrating one. What was some of the frustrating ones? I know you had a crash one year. Was that in 81 or 82? When was that? And uh, in, in Indy? Uh, the one at Phoenix in 80 when I got upside down, I had just won the national championship, and mm-hmm. uh uh Firestone Dennis Firestone uh, rookie driver uh, uh and I tangled late in the race I uh, was coming off turn 4 at Phoenix and uh, uh he hit me in the in the left rear with his right front and we both spun and it backed me into the fence and I and I broke a rear suspension and the tire turned and acted like a log roll and and boosted my car probably 10 or 12 feet in the air upside down and it came down and I always tell people the only thing that saved me was it landed on my head. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that was uh, quite a uh, quite an experience to say the least. Uh, but I, I made it through that, but I my wife had to go uh, collect all of the accolades uh, for winning the national championship at the banquet that night. So I see. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Now your your wife just so happens to be uh, a nurse, right? Yes, she's a she's an RN. Uh, she hasn't worked as an RN since we were married. Uh, but uh, you met her at the races, though, she, right? I did at Indianapolis. She was uh, she was on her day off, standing at the fence. She had been talking to some uh, some of her colleagues in the in the first aid center in Gasoline Alley and. Uh, she happened to be standing at the fence when I pushed out to start the, my final phase of my driver's test, and uh, I happened to look up and, and see her, and uh, our stories differ here. She she says she waved, and, and I winked, but I, I say I winked and she winked, but uh, that makes no difference. <laughs> that was the first part of May, 
and uh, we were engaged the 1st of June and uh, married July the 7th, uh, 47 years ago. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank uh, you. On the uh, on your cars, when you did, you, how much did you do a lot of testing on the cars yourself? I mean, did you were you actively involved in a lot of that? And if so, um, we, I was talking to some of the other drivers, and some drivers can give the team, the crew guys, a lot of feedback because they're car guys, and when the car's on the track, they got a feel for it. They can come back and say, "Hey, look, this uh, car needs a little of this, needs a little, you know, a little adjustment over here in this corner, and a little more weight over here." Uh, were you that type of a driver when you went out and tested cars? I mean, and you had to get them set up for the uh, for the for the big race and stuff like that. How much feedback did you give back to your teammates, to your uh, crew? A, lo- a lot, and that's what that's probably the thing I miss <clears throat> the most. I've, I've you know thought about it a lot and had the opportunities, but working with the crew to set the car up for an event was very challenging and uh, something that was. Uh, very gratifying when you were able to to come up with the fastest qualifying time or win the race, and and it was because you and your crew chief were able to put together uh, everything, all of the different aspects of the car to to make it uh, the top competitor. Uh, yes, we had. That was the one thing I was told as I when I started my career. Uh, learn what makes a race car tick mm-hmm. you got to study and learn what what happens to the car and what makes changes uh result in in good fast times and everything so it, and i did test a lot but i was blessed that the team mclaren believed in a lot of testing and i uh for 13 or 14 years i tested uh, I guess maybe 13 years, I tested Goodyear tires at the Speedway, and we were one of the Goodyear teams. And so that I had a lot of miles around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and uh, it was it was something that you, you know, you suddenly realize that, hey, I can tell you with a new set of tires on the car, I can almost tell you going down pit lane before I get on the track if they're going to be any good or not. So it was a, it was it was good to have that opportunity, and uh, it it paid off with victories and uh, and opportunities down the road because we uh, we did like I say a lot of testing on our own at different tracks and uh, and we you know it paid off. Was a lot of the feedback that you gave back to your um, crew? Was it? Mostly suspension related, or what? Or what percentage of it would have been, let's say, engine related? I mean, as far as you know, tuning the engine, setting up gearing, and things of that nature. I mean, well, the only uh, you know, you you had a pretty good idea that on an oval track, what your gear ratios were going to be, or what it was going to wind up being, and you could run two top gears. You know, if you ran fifth and sixth, you could you could put a, uh, a gear in fifth that. That would not be hard to downshift to, and if you got in traffic and you found somebody that gave you a little trouble trying to get by them, you could you could slip it into fifth gear and and get a little more off of the corners and and try to be able to get by. And then if you were by yourself out on the you know running without any challenges, you could slip it in sixth gear and and uh, uh, you know cruise. 
you know, if you turn less RPM, you lose use less fuel, and and all of the uh, all of the above. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a uh, uh, great period in racing when when the drivers we didn't have engineers and uh it was it was what i told the crew chief that he and i put our heads together and said this must try this or do this and the stopwatch told us whether we were right or wrong um you know what fascinates me is the fact that a pound or two or less of tire pressure air pressure could make a lot of difference in the handling characteristics uh, on the car. Is that is that really that that critical? Well, I never I never messed with tire pressures that much. We obviously did. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if it was very, you know, the car was was skating a lot or it was uh, you know slippery because of the tire pressures, we could use a, a, a softer uh, pressure, um. but. You didn't. You wanted to be careful doing that because uh, a lot of times that generates heat, and that that's what destroys a tire is heat. That's true so, too. Yes, uh, you have to uh, you, know, you have to be careful in in what you do, and and of course the I think the stock cars do a, a great deal of that pressure right. adjustments and try to get a different handling, and I would <laughs> I would really like to know by talking to the drivers just how much difference a pound of air is going to make. Uh, sometimes you can see it because it helps their, their car. But a lot of times, you know, that can be psychological, too. That's and true. They say, yeah, we've, we've adjusted to what you want, and there it is. So, bang. And I've had, you know, I've had uh, racing in a race, uh, leading the race, and, and my crew chief would call me on the radio and say, hey, you know, uh, you know, slow down. You got you're leading. You're way out front, and I'd slow, I'd relax and slow down. And he'd call me back a couple of laps later and say, "Hey, I told you to slow down." And when I relaxed and got comfortable, and and you know felt like I was slowed down, I'd pick up speed. So you you know it depends on the driver and and uh, what he's trying to accomplish. Hmm. So Johnny, what are you doing these days? Um, I think I was reading somewhere that you're involved in a racing school. No, I I tried to to start a racing school, but okay. it, uh, the the business kind of went south at the time, and there were so many different schools going all over the country mm-hmm. uh, that I decided that it really wasn't worth the effort to uh, to try to uh, uh, develop a school, and I I wasn't interested in a competition school so much as I was in teaching people how to drive. I got gotcha. uh, you. know, a lot of people don't have a clue what ABS brakes are. Oh. And, and you know, and, and a lot of people uh, have never been subjected to spinning a car out in the rain and recovering. So I wanted to teach people how to drive. And, oh, okay. and uh, that that never did come about, and uh, I'm almost glad that it didn't now because of the... Uh, Current economy? The, yeah, everything, the economy and, and how... It has uh, so many other schools have failed. Gotcha. Uh, but I did read someplace that you're uh, you're kind of like on a lecture cir- lecture circuit. You do kind of like motivational uh, speaking and stuff like that. Oh, I have. Yes, I, I do. I do as much of that as they as they want. <laughs> who's, who's I, your... I enjoy talking to people about my uh, uh, my experiences in racing, and of course, uh, try to intermingle it with the uh, uh, what what they do their business and and show them how how much the parallel is uh in 
in the thinking, the thought process between uh, you know being a successful race driver and a, and a successful business person and in uh, uh, making things happen. Um. So, um, are you? Oh, the other thing I was going to ask you too is: Do you uh, are you into the car hobby at all? Do you collect cars or anything like that? Do you get involved with that at all? Yeah, I have some cars. I have all, of course, all three of the pace cars that I won in Indianapolis, and I have uh, I have the last works McLaren to run uh, at Indianapolis, which is uh, an M twenty four B McLaren with a uh, turbocharged Cosworth uh, V8 in it. And it was, it was I've had it restored uh, back to uh, museum quality condition. It is, is really beautiful. And it's the Budweiser was our sponsor. Anheuser-Busch was our sponsor that year. The car was red, white, and blue with Budweiser signage. And it's back to that with, with everything as it was originally at that time. So I'm very proud of that. And I now have a 1946. Curtis Craft uh, Ford V860 midget. Oh, really? Car that raced back in the 40s, just after the war, and uh, yeah, I'm real proud of that too because I used to watch that. I saw that when I was nine years old <laughs> in Tulsa, Oklahoma, racing, and it was uh, it was quite a uh, quite an opportunity to, for me to get get bit by the bug. What um, Now, what, what exactly is a quarter midget? I've seen those. Was that something for adults, or was that something for, for younger? Uh, no, no, the quarter midgets were for the kids. A okay. midget race car. Okay. This was a this was a, a full-size, you know, I mean, a 64-inch wheelbase, which is a short car. But they were very, very popular just after the war because all of the guys were coming back that had raced, you know, from war, that had raced before they left. And so midget racing was suddenly brought up, and, and the, the people of the United States wanted entertainment. They wanted to, to go see these, you know, see things. And so midget racing just exploded. And it, uh, it was a thing on a, on a Friday or Saturday night or, you know, in fact, uh, during the heyday of midgets, you could run seven or eight times a week in a midget somewhere. And if it was close, you could run a different track every night and uh, make pretty good money doing it. Now, was that more of a, was that like an entry level, was that a precursor to uh, sprint car racing, sprint car? Um, yeah. Yes, okay. it, it was. It turned out to be, actually, it was It was more popular uh, at that time than anything else in racing. And uh, the thing that, that dislodged it was jalopy racing, uh, believe it or not, because they crashed into one another and, Got upside down. So, in, uh, as we approached the fifties, and uh, or actually after nine, the fifth in fifty, uh, probably between fifty and fifty-five, uh, that's when NASCAR kind of was born and and started in and and uh, started taking root. And people like to watch those stock cars bang into one another. <laughs> and uh, midget racing kind of fell off a little bit, but was still popular. And uh, there were a lot of them. But then sprint car racing started blossoming again and, and racing, uh, you know, through the Midwest and on the West Coast, the East Coast. So it was, it was uh, good racing back in the, in the, in the 50s. Uh, and 60s and 70s. Good old days. Well, Johnny, we got, uh, we're got we just about out of time. Like they say, this is the fastest show on the planet. Uh, but I do want to thank you for coming on the show. I will see you at St. Pete this weekend. Um, would you be willing to come on the show again? And we'll talk about some more uh, racing stories 
Well, if I have the time, sure. You know, okay. uh, I thought uh, yeah, I thought this afternoon you would uh, record that, and then you wouldn't have to use it. <laughs> oh no, no, I like I like a live show. My listening audience loves a live show. As a matter of fact, we I don't really take call-ins, but we actually had a couple of guys call in, so I apologize to you guys, you listeners out there. Um, but uh, if you guys want to send us a g- an email, send us a gmail dot com or golfstreamradio at gmail dot com. I want to thank our guest this evening, which is Johnny Rutherford, three-time Indy champ. He will be driving the pace cars this week. At the St. Pete Grand Prix. Be sure and stop by and see him. I'm sure, Johnny, you'll sign some autographs, won't you? Yeah, you bet. Okay, well, we'll see, we'll see you then. Thanks for coming on the show. And everybody else, stay safe, drive carefully, and we'll see you next week at 8 o'clock on the Tam Talk Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs>